Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, wherever you may be, and welcome to episode number 11, the Chase Claypool episode of the Steelers Insider, excuse me, the Still City Insider podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel here, and I've got my ugly holiday sweater on, Jim, to kick off uh, this Thanksgiving week. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Jeremy. It is It is a festive week. Uh, it was a festive game. I hope everybody's not taking it personally through the holidays. Yeah. What's, what's funny is I think we all love football and the draft and the development of players and who's injured and who's not and when this guy's coming back and how long this guy has left to play because it's a bit of control for us, I think. And then you they play the game and you realize you have no control whatsoever. And that's part of the frustration. And, uh, you know, they draft a running back. They got some new linemen. They should be able to run the ball. They, they moved up in the draft to get uh, an inside linebacker. He should be a player. They extended Stefan to its contract to make him one of the richest guys on the team. He should be a player. Yeah. And COVID's throwing us all. I think we're we're adjusting to COVID, but some of this other stuff, Devin Bush isn't developing. The line's not developing. Where's to it? It stuff's out of our control, and I think it, that's what drives us crazy. So at least I tell myself this. Let go of the control. There's nothing you can do, and just enjoy the holidays. It's the yeah. best we can do as analysts, media, fans, whatever. Yeah. Surrender, I think, would be the appropriate term, but there are many Surrender, things. Yes, and yeah. enjoy because every week we're on the edge of our seat. It's yeah. five, four, and one. They're as middle of the road as can be, but every week we're on the edge of our seat. We are. <laughs> we are. That's we're on the edge, some type of edge. <laughs> yes. So that's something to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said, it's Thanksgiving week. A lot of things to be grateful for, even though the Steelers did drop their fourth game to the Chargers, 41-37. to They dipped to 5-4-1, but they're still very much in this thing with seven games to go. Big one against the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend in Cincinnati, AFC North. You know, the offense excelled uh, at some points in the passing game, surprisingly, against the worst rushing defense in the NFL, and I know you have a unique take about how potentially Roethlisberger's play contributes to the the struggles in the running game. So we're going to talk a bit about that. The defense, with as many injuries as they had, really, it's understandable why they struggled as much as they did. And really, special teams delivered and got this team back into it. But we'll start off with the offense and talking about Roethlisberger out with COVID, uncertain as to whether or not he was going to play. Uh, thankfully, he was cleared. He had those two uh, consecutive negative tests, and he had his best game all season. Your assessment of Ben and his performance this Sunday, and how does that bode for the remainder of this season? <laughs> I think what bodes for the remainder of the season is the question comes up, what bodes for next season? <laughs> yes. How well this has gone the last couple of weeks, especially this week to give him all kind of credit for the hoops he jumped through to get this done. He talked about being tested Saturday right after midnight, you know, to get, get this all done. He did everything possible. I mean, 
He wasn't Najee Harris pushing the doctor down to the ground to get out of his face. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, Ben, um, Ben's a warrior just like that. Get out of my face, COVID. And, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It, there's five, I, I, I don't know who I was listening to, if it was Joe Starkey or not. But does this bring up the question of practice is meaningless now? TJ Watt, training camp is meaningless. I think it was Mike Pursuta was saying this. I was listening. Mm-hmm. Training camp's meaningless. Look at T. I mean, TJ's out right now, but defense player of the year statistics. And yeah. uh, Ben, who needs to practice? But of course, we do what we do and we practice is what we do. Right. And controlling fans, we demand that. I don't know what else you want me to say about Ben. Um, uh, I know you don't want me to say anything, but I don't know what else can be said about Ben that wasn't very evident on the field. Yeah. He just looked very good at the end of the game. It looked like everybody had, you know, I rallied this team once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Cam Hayward looked, they showed him on the sidelines too. It's like, you know, y'all gonna, we're all gonna bust our ass getting this team back. And then you're going to let them run down the sideline like that. I'm done. It just yeah. seems like they were done. The general, I'm done. You know, I'm not blocking anymore. Yeah, he 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 had an Olay block there where it was just like, go ahead, have I, at I know it. You can't you can't blame him for that stunt, but I'm going to blame him for the stunt too. So that was two sacks at the end too. Yeah, it just seems like on offense they're missing whether it's the uh, uh, a speedy receiver to take the top off. Um, I don't know what it is. They have it seems they have all the parts. We we know that the struggles with the offensive line. They're young, they're inexperienced at times. Uh, they're not showing improvement. You look at Kendrick Green still getting pushed in the backfield. I know there was one of the highlights during the game where he was, you know, <laughs> he almost took the handoff. Um, but it just seems like there's one element missing from this offense to just make it consistent because it just seems inconsistent from week to week. You know, uh, I wrote about this. It's a conundrum with Ben. You know, they're they're the, the offense is evolving. They're they're going with that Shanahan stuff, the Matt Canada stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you want to load the box. Our answer is to run outside with this uh, with our wide receivers, and they can do it. They have mm-hmm. Chase Claypool's even Ebron. You know, Juju was first with that stuff. Um, and, and, and it requires a mobile quarterback, another threat to take that misdirection the other way. And Ben's not going to do that. So they're, they're running their offense without a big part of it. But on the other hand, you'd rather scrap the offense than scrap the quarterback. Because mm-hmm. he's the only chance you have right now with those receivers. Right. So it's a conundrum. And I I don't know, I don't know if it's all the line or if it's the lack of the mobile quarterback in a system that demands a mobile quarterback. So that could be a part of it, or I could be talking out my rear end, but I, I just, it just strikes me as I'm going through the history books. I'm working on another book. I'm going through the history books and they were the last team to to, to, to get out of the single wing and into the T formation. And 
Now they're the last team to get out of the T formation and back into the single wing. I know it's not the single wing, but it sure is kind of kind of reminiscent to a yeah. degree. With yeah. All the, the motion, the handoffs, the, the quarterback uh, being a ball master and being mobile and being a mobile part of the, uh, the offense. So uh, those are some of my thoughts as to why the running game. I mean, we can't blame it on Kendrick Green every week. Yeah. And and just to kind of j- drill down into that a little bit more, um, I was reading um, one of your pieces yesterday, but even referencing last year, you're right. You can't continue to say, oh, well, it's the offensive line. Oh, it's it's James Conner. Oh, it's Najee Harris. You know, is it the system? Um, and and it very well could be because it just seems like for whatever reason, they'll have this year specifically, they'll have what seems to be a productive rushing game where they run for 130, but it's very laborious how they get to that 130 yards. It's not chunking the yards. It's three yards here, five yards here. Um, but I think I know I've never thought about it from that perspective, that it's the system that is resulting in that, because you're right, if it's these motions and uh, Ben doesn't give that threat of if he's faking it and he's running, then they just key on the run. And it really it makes it easier for the defense to to shut it down. So um, can they make an in-season adjust, an in-season adjustment to the offense? Do you think that that's possible? Would Canada be willing to, um, you know, make a modification or? Are you just talking about less motions? I, I don't, less jets. I, I, I think you need part of that. Be, you know, it worked early. And then mm-hmm. when they got down to the goal line again and they crowded the box and you knew Najee wasn't going to get a yard and they, they ran a play pool wide and he lost a couple yards. The Chargers were wise to it and ready for it. And so, I mean, what you do, you, you fake twice and you throw. You've got fryer mode. So I don't know that you want to change too much. You still have that. But I think it's an answer to why you can't score down in the five-yard line with the running game like you maybe could have in the days of yore with a real running back like Jerome Bettis or, or, or whatever. I think those are just considerations. I mm-hmm. think it's something to talk to Canada about. I'm sure it's something Tomlin has talked to Canada about. They're, you know, they're trying to make this work without the exact parts. And again, the offensive line is still not where you want it to be. You know, Hassenauer is just as small a guard as Kendrick Green would be. Those are both guys that probably came up as guards that needed to move to center in the NFL because of their size limitations and, and the position demands. Yeah. So it's how you start with Hassenauer, then you bring in the general who's more of a tackle. So he's a little, little skinnier in there. I mean, maybe, maybe they missed Dotson. And I don't know how long he's going to be out and who knows if we're going to get that answer for the next five years of what's wrong with it. <laughs> we don't get answers anymore about injuries. So yeah. Only one guy gets information from the team doctors or wherever the information comes from. And if he chooses to, to report it to us, then we get it. Since the locker rooms are closed, all of that is, is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the offensive line still needs work too. Yeah. You got to bring in, you got to bring in a big time leader, you know, uh, a Dave DeCastro, a, a, a guy. I remember when uh, the Browns were drafting, they had, uh, I think, two picks in the top four. And I think they took Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. 
And I couldn't understand why they weren't going to take Quentin Nelson, get a Hall of Famer in your locker room that is your muscle guy, that is a strength, a sign of strength in your locker room. Uh, stop messing around. We got work to do, guy. Like DeCastro was, like Pouncey was. Those kind of guys, they're very valuable, and you've got to get one. I don't think they have one right now. And, and that's not knocking what they do have. They they have some young, hardworking guys, and it's going to be decent. But I think you need one more. You need just, just like you need one on the defensive line, inside linebacker, cornerback, you know, <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> that's the depressing part if you let yourself go, and that's where the, you lose your control. Because I thought we – you say to yourself, I thought we had the defensive line. I thought we had the inside linebacker. And then you lose that. That's the part that you can take with losing is that, well, hey, we've got Justin Herbert at quarterback. We're going to be okay. You know, can yeah. you imagine having that piece? Man, he, I tell you what, that's the first game. That's the first game I've watched of Herbert. And wow, am I impressed. Wow. That, guy, that kid can play. You know, you watch, and I said the same thing. Why is Tua rated ahead of this guy by everybody in the world? And I, I talked to my friends, and they're betting on Alabama, and they're loving his accuracy. I'm, I'm the guy shot puts the ball down the field. What, what is the allure of Tua? What is wrong with Justin Herbert? Well, I, something's wrong because Oregon doesn't seem to like him as much as as you do. Wow. Okay. That that's that's the guy. That's Terry Bradshaw. That's the guy who should be going number one. That's that's what you reminded me of is Bradshaw. He just, I mean, the I didn't know that he had that running element to his game, but just there was a little dump off to running back where he had to maneuver it around a, a defender, and it was it was just a little short pass. But I was just blown away at how just precise he was with his pass. I mean, he's. He's legit. He's going to win a Super Bowl before it's all done. Um, yeah. And he 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 lit us up, um, no doubt. Just closing out on the offense, um, I do want to give some uh, respect to Deontay Johnson, who just, again, he has shown so much growth from last season to this season in terms of eliminating the drops. I hope I'm not jinxing him. I'm going to knock on wood right now. Uh, they showed him um, – during the the broadcast, catching the tennis balls prior to the game, working on his hand-eye coordination. Uh, but that one catch along the sideline was just incredible. And then also, too, um, want to recognize Chase Claypool had a decent game. If Ben hadn't have underthrown him on that one play, um, you know, that probably would have been a score. But a nice, nice output from Johnson and Claypool. Did they eventually score on that ball that Claypool – I no, I think that was the drive where they uh, went for it on fourth down and came up short. Yeah. Well, I, I had that same flash when I, when Killebrew couldn't pick up that, couldn't scoop. <laughs> Mike, you better scoop, pal, because you ain't scoring from the two. <laughs> and they barely did. Yeah. They put the pass interference, but yeah, um, they have the receivers, definitely have the receivers. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think like James Washington, you can get him back as your number three, four. He's he's a valuable guy because he's such a good guy and a hard worker, and he will make a great catch every now and then. So I I, I wouldn't like to lose him, but if he, he thinks he's gonna make it bigger. And but uh I mean even Ebron had a couple of plays. Yeah. I didn't watch his blocking. I can't watch his blocking. No. 
Banner got in. Banner got in. He's one play this season, one touchdown. I mean, my man's got to go to the go to the salary counter with that stat. There you go. <laughs> he didn't block anybody. Nobody lined up over him, but he helped the runner up and celebrated. That was nice of him. There yeah. you go. <laughs> So offensively, uh, again, prop, they're not probably it was their best output, at least from a statistical perspective, a point perspective, 37 points scored the defense. When we shift over to the defense, I mean, what can you say? I don't know how much you can hold this defense accountable, being that they're missing Joe Hayden. They're missing Minka Fitzpatrick. They're missing TJ Watt. Um, there were guys out there on the field that. They weren't even in training camp with the team. These are guys that were, you know, brought in during the season. Uh, they were on the practice squad. And it makes you wonder that had Fitzpatrick, Watt, or Hayden played, would they have made at least one or two plays that the Steelers would have won this game? Well, you got to believe they wouldn't have uh, allowed that big touchdown with Minka. Yeah, that was a dagger. I don't want to pin this all on Trey Norwood. Cam Sutton seemed to confirm that it was Norwood's fault. There was miscommunication. Sutton played well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if they're going to play next year without Hayden, it looked like they had a genuine number two step up in Sutton. I know Sutton, he, he got beat uh, for a couple things. I forget. There was, a, I think it was a key penalty. <laughs> <clears throat> but overall he played fantastic. He played with a lot of heart. He looked like he looked like the leader back there that they needed. And now that he knows he's a leader, uh, he's going to be a valuable piece for them going forward. Yeah. Um, Pierre had a shaky moment uh, the week before we thought, boy, he's really stepping into becoming a piece. And then he stepped a little back. I, I don't not sure where I stand on him. I'm not sure he's going to be able to step in for Hayden next year. But um, the safety Norwood's okay, and Terrell Edmonds, you know, possibly sign him back. Um, I'm trying to think that there were there was, I guess it was just Cam Sutton who stepped forward. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Schobert, you know, oh Wormley, you know Wormley. See, he was okay. I mean, yeah. that fourth and one, Wormley and uh, Hayward stood their guys up, pushed them back a yard, and Schobert shot the gap. A critical play. That was a nice read by Schobert on that play. Yeah, but it was nice up front. He got help. And, you know, I hate to condemn Devin again until they get that line fixed. I, I, I don't know if it's because they're missing a piece up there that he's uncovered and you know, he, he he never really got off blocks in college. I remember everybody told me about Devin Bush, Devin Bush. And I, I watched the Wisconsin game. And Wisconsin blocked them all day. I mm -hmm. said, what are you talking about here? And people said, yeah, they're not, they don't play in the NFL like the way Wisconsin does with all those tight ends and fullbacks. NFL is a passing league. And you need a passing linebacker. And you need that speed to go sideline to sideline, especially to take away the flats. Well, we're seeing Wisconsin every week now. Mm -hmm. so the, the powerful running games are coming back in vogue because yeah. everybody's overdrafted little guys who can cover. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to go with Devin. The, the crazy thing with him is that if you look 
back to last season before he had his ACL tear, he played well. Now, I know that you could argue that the defensive line was healthy, too. It was out there alongside Hayward. Alulu was out there. But even the year before he played well, he was dynamic. He's fast on the field. So it's just surprising to me. And it, and it's and you know, I'm frustrated as well. And I don't want to um, jump too fast to overlook that injury and the time it takes to come back. But it's it's precipitous, the drop off in his performance. Well, I think one of the questions you wanted to ask is what what to do with him. Is he up for his option year? Yeah. Consideration. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you to put some of this stuff out of my mind. The injury and the lack of the lack of pillars up front to help him. He obviously you know needs people off of him to let his speed take over. So yeah, I, I think I would give him the, the year. I would extend that pay him more money for a fifth year. Mm -hmm. And you're probably right. There was a lot to like about him. And so that Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and Jerry Olsavsky know this better than me. So they would have the answer. Yeah. But you're right. That lack of decisiveness, that lack of confidence, the lack of enthusiasm, the lack of interest. Sometimes you wonder. And I saw your comment where you said that, um, and you referenced this a couple of times, and I thought that it was interesting, where he mentioned about his father pushing him to play football and that he felt burnout. I know that you've um, talked about that as potentially indicating maybe something internally that he deals with with the game. Does he have a true passion for the game? Right. Yeah, I mean, I remember when he was drafted, he said that he almost quit. His dad was too hard on him. And his dad had made comments that made me think. And so maybe I was alert to it because, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm the father of an athlete, too, who was going through some depression and anxiety issues. So I did a lot of self-analysis myself. So, and probably at the time that Devin Sr. burst into my consciousness and I, I watched that dynamic. And so maybe I'm a little more <clears throat> maybe overly sensitive to that a bit at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and, and I didn't push my daughter, but you wonder, you, you watch. And now, you know, my daughter has had a fantastic senior year and her enthusiasm could never be higher. So you, you just never know what's going on inside of his head, but boy, you see some of these plays like he blitzed the other day and they handed off at one up the middle and he just got, kept running past instead of turning around and being active in, in the present moment and what's happening. It was like, well, I did my role mm -hmm. and turn around and watch the rest of the play. And there was a lot of that, not a lot of it, but there was a, a lot of that going around the internet on the one play against the lions where they pushed the pile and he stood around watching it. I didn't get that big of a feeling then, but sometimes you do see some potential disinterest. Yeah. You know, you didn't have the Cam Sutton blood and guts, Cam Hayward, blood and guts from Devin that you want to see that you saw from those two uh -huh. and that was needed without all those players. So that was disappointing. Yeah. And speaking, I know we talked about Cam Sutton, but Cam Hayward, oh my gosh, this guy is just, uh, he's a man possessed this year. He, he single-handedly uh, served as the heartbeat of that defense Sunday night and, 
it just seems like every play he's leaving it all out there on the field uh, to to borrow a um, sports cliche there. But what else can this guy do to just show that? I mean, uh, you obviously TJ Watt is playing at an extremely high level. Uh, he can't seem to stay on the field, but Hayward has been their best, in my opinion, in assessment. He's been the best defender all year, not just in terms of performance, but in terms of bringing that defense and that team together. Heart and soul. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's teaching guys like Cam Sutton and TJ, all those guys, how to be a heart and soul guy. Uh, boy, what an example. And if, I mean, I mean, we all saw what happened when he ran down the quarterback. It looked like he punched him right in the right in the groin, but not, I can understand better that he he was exhausted and kind of fell forward a little bit. It doesn't look good, but he said it it wasn't as bad as it looked. But the, if you really want to know the influence of Cam Hayward, go back and watch the pick. You know Cam Sutton's pick that was deflected in the air by Cam Hayward at a crucial moment of the game. Watch all the young guys come up to Cam as he's walking off the field and on the sideline. They just idolize him. And why wouldn't you? You know, I, I've been close enough to him to talk to him and and feel the warmth and, and authenticity that comes from him. You, you, you get moments like this on the football field where a guy makes a play and everybody loves him, but everybody really loves Cam. Just the way he talks to you and treats you on Wednesdays. It's authentic, and he is a a a dad yeah. on that team. But he's still in his prime. Yeah, all of that makes for a great leader. And he's just he's the lion of that defense. He really is. I tell you what, it's guys like that uh, Hayward. It's guys like Ben that even though they're five four and one, and they've got a brutal stretch of games coming up, that never count them out to make no. a push. Because when you have guys with with hearts that big and passion and the desire to play the game at a high level that can elevate other players, you know, special things can happen. Well put, well put. That, that's why, that's what makes, you know, brutal stretch, but one week at a time, Cincinnati, can they be beat? Sure. Yeah. Are we going to be on the edge of our seat this week? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we can't look forward to that. So yeah, you want to, you want to wrap this uh, in a bow and say, what's the point? This team can't do it. But you can't wait for them to play the Bengals on TV and 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 sit on the edge of your seat again. Yeah. And scream at the TV and then analyze this again. Hey, it may not mean anything, but one week at a time, this could be fun this week at least. Yeah. And you know what? They're a gritty team. They're going to battle. They're in it every week. You're on the edge of your seat every week. Um, they're They're missing that dominant element on offense, but there's still time for that to come together. They just need to get healthy on defense. You look at that remaining schedule. You have at Cincy, home versus Baltimore, at Minnesota, at home versus Tennessee, away at Kansas City, home against Cleveland, and at Baltimore. And you're right. It's a tough, tough stretch. But if I look at each of those games, there's nobody on there that's dominant. There's nobody dominant in the NFL right now. It's just a matter of can they string consecutive positive performances together to win at least three or four games. And who's going to be healthy too? All those teams are going to have issues too. You know, you look at the Bengals, first of all, can they tackle Mixon while defending Burrow? You're yeah. like, no, no. There's, they, they have no chance tackling Mixon. Yeah. Huh? 
we shall see. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's going to depend who's hurting for Cincinnati, who's back for Pittsburgh. Each week, that's going to be a big key. And we also saw that this team played pretty well with all those backups. That It, it looked like a well-coached team. You know, they didn't lose their cool. <clears throat> they really weren't penalized. You know, the, the other team was penalized, made, made stupid mistakes. The Steelers special teams. And let's give a shout out to Ray Ray. You know, since that fumble and since it seemed like he was on the verge of being cut and Tomlin said, no, he's my guy. It seemed like it seems like there's a real confidence to him. Also, he's being used in key moments on offense and he's come through. Right. I think his confidence levels at a new high, you know, that bouncing ball, he snared. He, he, he did that with great intention, great confidence. He looked. He looks like a ball player. He looked like a ball player in his past game, so there could be an answer there to a degree, and that that also sums up their entire special teams now. And they're a well coached team. All those subs they had out there, there were some mistakes. Sure, that touchdown was a mistake, but they just they're well coached. Yeah. You really have to. You really have to tip your cap to Tomlin and, and those assistants. They they look good the last couple of weeks. There are disasters. They're disastrous injuries, but they they hang in there. They yeah. they play well. And just one closing thought that I'll add to that is there's something to be said when you have guys on the field that haven't got a lot of experience that are now getting experience in terms of depth. That's going to pay off as the season moves on because if you have to go back to some of these guys, they've at least been in that bright lights primetime situation. Uh, and not only paying off for this year, having some season depth, but even next year, you know, reps, you're getting game reps. That's important. Well, I tell you, I, I'm more apt to use Carl Joseph again. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he had that nice a, play. He broke up a big third down play yeah. at the goal line with some really good coverage. And so there's a, there's one. And yeah. Uh, uh, um, these guys, you're finding some guys and you're finding out uh, about these people, even Trey Norwood, we can blame him for that last play, but there's a lot to like about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, Jim, before we get to the terrible three, I know last week um, I brought up Malik Willis and I was ill-prepared to, to speak on him. So I wanted to redeem myself this week. Um, so on my site, I started just doing little capsules on uh, the quarterbacks for next season. So I didn't do a ton of research on Willis, but I did uh, do a little film study and just dug into his his work a little bit um but Can I Malik, interrupt? what's that explain who willis is sure. not, not everybody is a, a, a steel city insider uh expert so got it yeah so here here's what i'm going to be doing over the next several weeks on the the podcast is just giving a preview of some of the quarterbacks really i'm going to try to do all the at least the first and second round projected quarterbacks in the 2022 draft. It's never too early to start. And the first quarterback we're going to take a look at is Malik Willis, who plays at Liberty of all places. Now, Willis isn't a big guy. He's 6'1", 225. Some places have him listed at 215. He originally attended Auburn before transferring to Liberty because he didn't get an opportunity to start. Um, but there's two things about Willis that stand out, and there are things that you can't coach. Uh, the first thing being his arm is a laser he can make every throw he puts zip on it and you can't coach that 
the other piece is we talk about mobility. We've heard Tomlin talk about mobility in the quarterback and that being something that he's looking for. This guy has all that plus tax. Um, and he's he's a physical runner as a quarterback, which makes for an interesting combination because you typically don't think of that uh, when you think of a quarterback runner. You think of somebody with more finesse, the ability to shake a defender, which he has that. Um, but he could he could lower his head. I don't know if you want him doing that in the NFL game because uh, the likes of um, you know some of those defenders out there. But in terms of growth areas for him, um, similar things that we see with young signal callers coming out of college, the ability to go through his progressions and his reads. He has a tendency to lock in on his first read, which through coaching, you hope you can develop that. There are some concerns in terms of accuracy. And um, statistically, he put up over um, almost 1,000 yards rushing last season, over 2,200 yards passing. This season, there's been some discussion that he's regressed. Um, he has thrown more interceptions this year than he did last year. But the one thing that needs to be pointed out about Liberty this season is that their offensive line is not very good. I believe he was sacked nine times in a game, uh, bringing up memories of that Eagles-Steelers game um, 2008. Um, so he's doing it with a very limited cast this season. But in terms of just raw talent, this guy has it. Um, you know, he's a redshirt senior. I think he may have one year of eligibility remaining so it's it's not a certain certainty that he's going to come out this season um but he's a guy to pay attention to with his physical tools the way um, that they are you know he could be the first quarterback off the board but is he more uh what was his name jamarcus russell or lamar jackson you know that's that's i think that's a difficult thing about evaluating quarterback talent and projecting them as you it's a crapshoot yeah Sounds like a third down package quarterback to come in after you've talked Ben into returning. We'll get this guy to run the offense on third and four. <laughs> Here comes the package with Malik because he can't throw, but we might be able to run for it. I don't know, man. Come back, come back to me with him when you see some some savvy and some decision making and some accuracy. Yeah, and those are the pieces he misses i will add he's <laughs> great <laughs> yeah the one thing though that that really stood out to me in watching his film is that his deep ball he leads the receiver it's always three yards out in front and it's just falls right into right into the hands of the receiver so that was one thing in terms of uh placement on that deep ball but you know he he definitely has work to do um he's got one more contest left uh for liberty regular season. I'm sure they'll have a bowl game. Um, but there you go. Malik Willis, that's the first capsule. Next week, I'm going to do a, uh, uh, I think either Spencer Rattler or Kenny Pickett. Um, so there's, there's a whole big list to go through, but we, you will know your, your quarterbacks in the draft uh, early. <laughs> let me, let me add this. Spencer Rattler lost his job about the second week of the season, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know if you want to waste your time on him. Okay. Uh, the Cincinnati quarterback kind of interests me. Desmond Carson Ritter. Nevada, I, I understand, has knee issues and isn't very mobile, and it doesn't sound like they want to waste time with an immobile quarterback. Right. But he does kind of look like Ben in the pocket. Yeah. Just the, the bits I've seen of him. Sam Howell's interesting, too, from North Carolina. North Carolina. Looks like Baker Mayfield. Well, I see, I see Pickett as Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, when you see Devin Bush play against Wisconsin, your first instinct is, no, he can't get off blocks. Don't change your mind because you start listening to people who watch Michigan every week. <laughs> you know, when I first saw Kenny Pickett against Clemson, I said, this guy's too small. This guy's going to get buried with NFL linemen. And uh, at the end of the last game, it, it, it struck me again. And there's every other thing to love about him. But he's, you know, okay, you can take a sub six, one guy, look at Drew Brees, but Drew Brees was a four year stud at Purdue. This guy, Kenny Pickett's just come on. So I'm not seeing anyone. that's really interesting me. I, I, I'm thinking second round. If you want that package guy, or you want a package guy, you're going to draft in the first round Malik Willis. And then there's a chance that he's not going to be the guy you're going to have to draft another quarterback. Man, I don't know. I don't know if Baker and, and back to Baker Mayfield. Is he a championship quarterback? I don't think so. I don't know the pick it is. You know, if you're going to be six, he's going to be under six one. And I know people are going to tell me he's listed at six two, but I think he's going to come in at under six one. You have to have something else special, like Drew Brees kind of crazy accuracy, mental mind game special, or <laughs> Kyler Murray mobility special. Yeah. Lamar Jackson mobility and touch special. I, I see Kenny Pickett as Baker Mayfield or Billy Joe Tolliver. Oh, Jesus. Billy Joe Tolliver. Oh, man. <laughs> I, don't mean, right. I don't mean to make – I'm not making fun of Kenny Pickett because he's having a great year. He is. He I'm is. not as excited as everyone else, and I'm a pit guy, so yeah, I'm just not as excited as everyone else. You know – they need a defensive lineman, right? I think that's becoming apparent if it never comes back. Yeah. And he was getting older. Remember when they passed on a pit guy for a defensive lineman back in the 80s? You might not remember. You're kind of young. I, I've heard the story, but yes. Kenny Pickett, they pass on him for a defensive lineman. Is this Dan Marino all over again? This guy's not Dan Marino. Yeah, I mean, I breaking all of Marino's records. <laughs> it's so hard, though. I think that's the tough thing with quarterbacks. It's just so hard to, I mean, look at, um, you know, everything said about, uh, I'm just thinking back, um, Andrew Luck. I mean, he was supposedly the second coming of Peyton Manning, and he had a decent short career, but I don't think he was anywhere near Peyton Manning. And then you look at Russell Wilson, you know, they, he was just a guy coming out. Look at what he's done. So I, I just think it's it's such yeah. a hard position to evaluate. Yeah, but look at Russell Wilson. The problem with him was he. I think he's under six foot. But but watch him. You know, four years <laughs> at NC State and then a fifth year at Wisconsin. He was good all the time. He made good decisions all the time. The only knock was that he's not big enough. Well, we've realized that that's really not a knock if you're smart enough. And he was yeah. smart enough. So give me that guy. That man. I remember I interviewed him at the combine and I was so impressed. And I wrote a column about how the Steelers should look at this guy in fourth or fifth round. You know, this guy could be a steal down there. And he goes in the third round. Like, well, yeah, what kind of steal would he have been? I'm thinking that everybody had him off the board and that maybe you take a chance on a sub six foot guy in the fourth or fifth round. Somebody else in Seattle took him in the third, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, all those years of making great decisions and being a leader are worth something. Uh, transferring from Auburn to Liberty, 
who knows what his religious and political beliefs are too. You got to investigate that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you don't want, you don't want a cult starting in your locker room. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, why, why did this guy transfer? What is he a one-year wonder? Why is he struggling at such a low level of play? Yeah, he can run. Is that enough? I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to diss you guy. You, you seem to be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's early again, just trying to, um, you know, it's never too early to start looking at the draft and um, you know, I'm, I'm of the thinking that in this draft, I think, I think you have you have to take a guy. It, I'm not saying the first round, but I think you got to get somebody in there to compete. I also think if they don't bring Ben back, they've got to look at a free agent. And uh, I know we're talking Russell Wilson here. Apparently, he wants out. I mean, I'm just saying. I'd also say this: somebody asked me the other day if Art Two was going to go in the Hall of Fame. I was on a Wheeling radio station. I said, "Why? Why is Art Rooney? Because his name's Rooney. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame." He needs to make a Hall of Fame move, and that's where the next year quarterback. That's everybody's talking about Tomlin and Colbert making this decision. And yeah, keep working. Tomlin, do your recruiting thing on the sideline, mugging up with these players in pregame. Yeah. Do what you do. And Colbert analyzed the, the hell out of these guys. Do what you do. Yeah. But I can always come in over the top and say, we're bringing Russell Wilson in, fellas. Yeah. Continue drafting and doing all your work, but I'm bringing this guy in yeah. because I want to go to the Hall of Fame like the, like the rest of the people in my family. Yeah. That's what it's going to take. And so that's an art two move. Yeah. And that's always possible where, where he's looking at his legacy and saying, hey, it's time to do something serious here. I could just see it now. Russell Wilson, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris. I mean, that, that fire move. Yeah. That fire, that'd be a damn Green. good offense. And <laughs> Green. Yep. Rise above and he's going to talk about this year. You know, I could, I, I'm envisioning interviewing Kendrick Green five years down the road, talking about those rookie year struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this Take is one game, one game against, I think we were playing the Chargers. And this seventh-round rookie from Arkansas State comes in and drives me with one hand straight back into the quarterback. That's when I knew I had to get serious. <laughs> I'm not totally down on Kendrick Green getting pile-driven by a seventh-round pick out of Arkansas State. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, anyway, uh, you, you try to be optimistic. It's good stuff. Well, it's time for the terrible three. Jim, and we're going to wrap this thing up here, this uh, Thanksgiving episode. Um, We'll start with the first one, and we kind of talked a little bit about this. um, But just putting you on the spot, has Ben shown enough that he can return for a 19th year? And if you're the GM, you're going to put your GM hat on a little bit today. If you're Kevin Colbert, do you bring him back next season? Well, you know, I think it's up to Ben, first of all. And early in the year, I just – I didn't get a vibe that he was coming back at all. You know, uh, people, he doesn't like to be put in a box. He doesn't like to be defined. And uh, people do it with their questions, you know, where you, where you have a faulty premise and you ask the question and the premise is faulty, Ben gets irritated by that. And it's usually from people that don't get the game. I, I, I'm sensing and Ben picks that up and he gets petty with them right away. Uh-huh. Passive aggressive answer. And 
there were a couple opportunities where uh, the question was framed as, since this is your last year, Ben, and you're waiting for Ben to say, well, who, who said this is my last year? I haven't, I haven't come up where he didn't do that. It was a couple of times that it happened. I'm like, wow, this must be Ben's last year. He seems resigned to it. Now he's playing better. So maybe that attitude changes and he goes through a couple wins the next two weeks. Maybe the attitude changes totally, but I don't think it's in the cards in his mind. I don't think he wants to go through this again. I think he may even want to leave on a, on an up note, which is, it looks like he's doing now. He he's turned this thing around. He looked really good this week. Yeah. So the possibility is there because he's playing well and he's like, you, you ran down all the skill players he has. And maybe he wants to do this with everybody healthy in the line of another year experienced and maybe with a, 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 another anchor piece, another pillar part of the line, he could be talked into it. So that's the first half of, of the answer. Will Ben want to? And yeah, but it also then the second part is who else is available? So, you know, if if, if they can bring in Russell Wilson, an affordable price, something like that, then no, but I'm, I'm not ruling it out as Kevin Colbert. Yeah. I mean, these things take time. You can't answer them right now and they don't even know, but the first part depends on Ben. Yeah. And just from the evidence I have, he has made no indication that he will come back. He has corrected. Nobody he has not even left the door open or said, leave the door open mm-hmm. Except in the very, in training camp. When that came out as everybody was saying last year, and nobody had said that. But as the questions went on, as he was taking the beatings early in the year, uh, he did not correct anybody. And it seemed mm-hmm. like this was his last year. Yeah. Yeah. Will be an interesting narrative to pay attention to. Shifting over to the defense, Devin Bush. Will he get out of this funk and get back to how he played pre-ACL injury? Or is this the Devin Bush we're going to know for the remainder of his career? Again, as as draft day came up, I deferred. I don't know him as well as some of you people that watch him that closely. I, I watched him pretty closely this past game. There are a couple of things I liked. But, man, a lot of problems. He's got the speed, and you just like to have speed all over your defense. And But I, I would like to see more out of him as a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say yes. Kevin Colbert will look to extend him. And I, I sure I'd give him another year as long as <laughs> it's affordable. It would be wonderful to see sometime in December where all these things come together. Devin Bush starts playing at a high level Two it comes back. Everybody's healthy and they just get locked in. And that brings me to the last question. This is a multiple choice question, Jim. This is a first for the terrible three. So got seven games remaining. So you have to choose. Are they going to go 0 and 7, 1 and 6, 2 and 5, 3 and 4, 4 and 3, 5 and 2, 6 and 1, or 7 and 0 in their last seven games? What is more like the more likely case for this final stretch? I, I have nothing outrageous to say here. I, I think I'm with most fans that it's going to be three and four or four and three. And I'll say four and three just to be optimistic because there are some great pieces there. And they've gone through, seemingly gone through the hard part of their injury uh, issues. And it looks like should be, those guys should be coming back. So I'll go four and three. All right. And that would put them at nine. What would that be? Nine, seven, and one. 
<laughs> all you people, all you good souls out there that have the eight and a half win total. Yeah. You should get a half for a tie. <laughs> I'll go to bat for you if you need a petition to Vegas on that. There you go. There you and, go. Jim's you know, got your back. That, let me throw one complaint out there. I saw on the NBC pregame show, they were analyzing the over-unders for the game on individual players. The NFL is really embracing this legalized gambling, and I just see nothing but bad coming yeah. from it. I think they have to distance themselves from pregame shows that discuss the over and unders on which idiot's going to catch seven balls or six and a half. I know I brought it up with the eight and a half wins. That Leave that to us to be on the outside. Don't bring it inside. You know, you have enough problems with your officiating. Don't don't include gambling or whether it's important that a guy gets his seventh catch or not. You know, that this can't be a part of it. Leave it on the outside. Leave it to us. Leave it us to dust degenerates on the outside to be a <laughs> game pure as possible. Well, and then you factor in, you look at the, the league's emphasis on the, the taunting penalties. I mean, you're putting that element of subjectivity in the game where you can, the refs can influence so it's not a good look, that's for sure. Well, you know, you can take a running spear at some guy's helmet after he's on the ground. It's it's okay. You know, Cam Sutton and Najee Harris, Najee. I, hope yeah. heads, I hope their heads have stopped ringing by now. I, I do too, because uh, they're going to have a Thanksgiving feast with their families this week, just as we all are. And uh, that is the end of episode 11. We are so grateful for everyone who uh, watches our, our podcast on YouTube. Thank you for the likes, the comments, for sharing with your family and friends, for listening. Uh, the stats have, have been great. Uh, Jim, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for you uh, and, and spending time weekly uh, with you. And um you know, we want to wish all the listeners out there a, a great holiday with your uh, family and friends. Jim, anything you want to add there? I'm just grateful that you wore that sweater today because it makes me feel like I have the best shirt on. Yeah, th this is just for you. I, I woke up 4 a.m. I'm like, I'm going to get a little festive here. So <laughs> you can check out Jim's work on the Steel City Insider and also give him a follow at Jim Wexel on Twitter. You can check out my work at thestillstudy.com and give me a follow at Still Study. And we will be back next Tuesday with hopefully a, uh, a lot of optimism and energy following a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. But until then, have a happy Thanksgiving and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>